0: how's it going everyone thank you for joining me on a new episode of the music of podcast i appreciate you joining me on uh another album review it's been some time i uh i wait too long between album reviews now i don't know what's up with that but um episode 73 we have a special one today uh we're going to be reviewing the latest album from indie rock vets legends if you will Arctic Monkeys, with the album titled The Car. I believe this is the seventh one from uh, from the band on uh, Domino Records. So, yeah, just excited to cover this for you. Um, I appreciate uh, all the listens between now and then. The last episode, of course, was like the Lizzo album review. I think I surprised myself a bit on that review, just because I probably gave it a better score than I probably thought I would have. Uh, but then let's check it out if you're interested in my um, my thoughts on uh, her latest album special. And then of course, we have the um, the last episode of the podcast was an episode of Talking Tracks. Uh, thanks to everyone that listened to it. It was a bit lengthy. I believe I covered the month of March on there. Um, but uh, so overall some cool tracks that um, from artists like uh, Girl in Red, Men I Trust, The Arcs, uh, Blink-182, if you haven't heard, they got back together with uh, Tom DeLong. Dry Cleaning, and uh, yeah, appreciate everyone uh, taking a listen on that one. But uh, of course, if you're interested, episodes right before this one, yeah, we'll just go ahead and dive into the review. But before we get started, actually, (laughs) I lied, Um, we're still going to be doing Talking Tracks for... I guess the year of 2022 next one lined up is April. It is taking me a while to put them out, um, but I I should have some more time as the year ends. And of course talking tracks since it kind of follows the billboard hot 100 more than likely I'm not going to be covering the month of December for this year, just because it gets infiltrated with um, basically Christmas music now until Christmas. So uh, we're essentially in the week of Thanksgiving now. Um, I'll just put my best foot forward and say uh, let's try to at least make it till the uh, end of the billboard year which I believe cuts off sometime around now if we get to like some sort of Christmas episode I- I've done some Christmas episodes in the past but who knows it's uh, it's it's up in the air but anyways um, and I don't mind putting out the uh, episodes of talking tracks kind of late-ish. Just because it kind of seems like it's more of like a retrospect sort of show now and it seems to be doing okay and basically doing it that way just because I mean I'm I'm putting out recent tracks on the first half of the episode and then just talking about a month going back to it is kind of fun uh, you know in this case we'll go back to April we'll see what the hell was going on in April and there's some weird shit that's been happening thus far on the billboard Hot 100, so not to bore anyone about that stuff, but let's go ahead and get to this uh, Arctic Monkeys review. Alright, so this is going to be, I believe, the seventh full-length album from the band Arctic Monkeys. Um, If you're not familiar with them, they've been around for a while. They formed in 2002 in Sheffield, England, Um, so about 20 years now. I feel like it's appropriate that they released an album this year. It's been 20 years since the formation. Um, and the band has kept a quite a consistent lineup, um, mainly comprised of four members. Um, nowadays they kind of have like permanentish touring members. It seems like every album cycle they add more and more, probably because the band has just more and more money as time goes on. Uh, of the four members, the exception being, um, Andy Nicholson that left the initial lineup after the first album came out in 2006. Uh, after having some sort of injury, they always say it was an injury, um, why he left the band, and that Nick O'Malley came in on, uh, to fill in on the tour, but, um, you know, the injury must have been pretty bad for Andy Nicholson, because uh, what I've always heard was that it was like some sort of hand injury, which, you know, hand injuries don't last typically, um, 20 years, so, um... I guess they, they got Nick O'Malley, and they must have really liked his chops and kind of broke it to Andy that he wouldn't be joining the band again. I'm, I always wondered how that went down or if Andy kind of volunteered to just kind of bow out. But um, Nick O'Malley, of course, phenomenal bass player, uh, great choice to keep in the band. Um, and the, the band's uh, debut is noted in history as being one of the most impressive debuts from a band. As as far as, like, rock music goes in the uk the album debuted in 2006 and was noted as uh, the fastest selling debut album in the uk of all time um at the time it was that um i i think they might still have that record in the uk uh i'm not entirely sure but it was impressive at the time uh mainly because um the band um had no little to no uh traditional promotion or marketing. The Arctic Monkeys are primarily noted as one of the first bands to mainly be driven solely from internet uh, hype or success. So instead of the band getting big by, uh, you know, having their music video on MTV or radio play, or uh you know intense marketing campaigns uh they really spread via word of mouth especially online and this was a thing that happened not only to large monkeys but around the early 2000s of course as uh you know broadband internet was becoming more and more common across middle-class households and western civilization um you know you kind of know what happens from there but um a huge Huge, um, I guess, highlight of that era was the Arctic Monkeys blowing up as a small local band from Sheffield, England, to basically international, you know, breakout rock stars. Um, Mainly seeing most of their um, hype, you know, across the pond in the UK and Europe, but they definitely made an impact in the US, uh, you know, as they were coming about them you know the first album cycle um, so anyways uh, they won the best Brit award in 2007 um, for that debut album they ended up keeping up the pace with actually their sophomore effort a year later repeating that initial success um, with uh, the 2008 or 2007 release favorite worst nightmare with the Brit award happening in 2008 for best album uh favorite worst nightmare great album probably my favorite art monkeys album um overall i i will say there is some bias in this review that I've, I've been trying to keep out of it um but growing up i i have been a fan of the band um and have listened to them quite heavily primarily the album famous for force nightmare has been my, one of my favorite albums of all time but yeah i mean i i will admit that the band's uh discography is quite consistent um in my opinion with the third and fourth albums being quite good as well uh humbug the third album being released in 2009 uh was a significant shift for the band that featured a new level of maturity and technical playing that was in part driven by uh josh homie filling in on the production efforts on much of the album that the darkness that arctic monkeys was able to unlock on that album in comparison to like past albums even some current albums um they haven't really done that again uh tracks like jeweler's hand and my propeller come to mind uh, just a really great album and evolution from the second. Uh, which there's obvious uh, comparisons and sound and aesthetic between, uh, the second and third albums. I'd say just because they didn't really change up much, other uh, as a, in regards to being just a simple rock band with a you know two guitars, a bassist, and a drummer, and some high energy. Uh, you know, compositions and production, however, uh, a bit of the, the songwriting choices and just overall, you know, stylistic choices happened between uh, Favorite Worst Nightmare and Humbug. Um, <clears throat> and it, it shows on various tracks, but primarily the darker ones, like I mentioned, My Propeller and Jeweler's Hands. Uh, and just to mention, uh, Favorite Worst Nightmare, uh, some of the highlights on there, of course, 505. Um, being a great one. Uh, Brian Storm, the album's loaded. Uh, Golden Bricks, uh, I believe you know, there's there's so many of them to list, but um, I, I'm not trying to prove myself as a fan here, but um, if anyone was wondering some of the highlights, uh, do me a favor as well. But let's move forward. Uh, their fourth album, Suck It and C, was a bit of a confusing release for me at the time. It came out in 2011. Around that time, I remember uh, starting to get pretty into Arctic Monkeys I eventually became a, a pretty big fan of their music uh with a with resulting in me sneaking out to see them my senior year of high school and getting in trouble doing it but that's another story for another day so the re- the release of Second Sea certainly had notable tracks however the Atom. the album had to grow on me uh for for years not until I was in college that I finally gained an appreciation of the album but, uh, you know, I, I truly uh, came to really like certain tracks like Black Treacle, Brick by Brick, Don't Sit Down, um, and Piledriver Waltz are some that come into mind. Um, and I still enjoy listening to the album from time to time. Um, I will say up until now, Second to See has probably been my least favorite Arctic Wookiees album, but, you know, it's still a strong uh, work overall, in my opinion. It wasn't until 2003 that I guess Arctic Monkeys, uh, saw some prominent mainstream success in the United States with the release of AM, the band's fifth and most commercially successful. When I mean prominent, I don't mean that, um, you know, the average alternative rock or indie rock listener. That grew up listening to music in the 2010s or just mainly the 2000s at that point. I I don't mean those people, you know, people that actively listen to music in the United States, they, they knew about the Arctic monkeys more than likely. Um, I meant prominent. I mean, prominent as in, um, grandmas and, you know, church pastors were probably starting to. Uh, catch win of this band and it was just interesting to see how how fast and quick uh their prominence picked up it, it took them up another ro- uh notch um you know and and just to to keep providing more uh you know conversation around this it, it they went from playing um respectable size venues for a alternative rock band or indie rock band in the US to arenas in the US um, and currently now still playing arenas um, in the upcoming tour they have uh, so uh, it, it bumped them up a notch and it kept them at that level uh, 10 years uh, now when they have a 2023 World tour you know playing still in arenas. Um, it kind of just shows how big that album was. And I still don't think people truly understand how big that album was in terms of like cultural relevance, commercial success, um, other fancy shit that I'm probably forgetting. Uh, but the album itself, uh, features, uh, some, a nice blend of pop, R&B, and rock, uh, that made the Arctic Monkeys distinguishable rock sound quite accessible accessible to the point where like teenage girls ended up being the main fan base for quite a bit of time for the band, especially during that album cycle. And I suppose given Alex Turner's overall stage presence and looks that was bound to happen at some point, um, the album's success is mainly attributed to the basically the lead-off single and start of the album, Do I Want to Know, uh, which topped charts worldwide and uh, ended up going platinum in the U.S., Um, the track is still played on rock and alternative radio rotation to this day, and it still manages to fit in quite nicely, sounding, you know, you know, up to date at this point. It, it, it doesn't sound outdated, and it's 10 years old at this point, essentially. And just to paint a bigger picture on how big that song was, Do I Wanna Know, um, it has (laughs) a billion and a half streams on Spotify. Now, when you're comparing it to probably, like, a mainstream artist, like, I don't know, Drake, um, or maybe Kanye West, uh, you know, a billion and a half streams probably isn't the craziest thing. Uh, but for a band like Arctic Monkeys, where, you know, the whole entire uh, discography um, has mainly been just, you know, a lot of consistent albums that didn't have huge breakout hits, for them to have a song like Do I Wanna Know. Um, be on the level of, like, the biggest artists in the world in terms of, like, how much streams they're getting. You know, that that does say something. I mean, I'm trying to look up, like, other big artists' numbers right now. So, I mean, just taking into consideration, like, a huge artist that pretty much craps on any other artist's numbers, Bad Bunny, even looking right now at, you know, his latest streaming numbers, nothing's in the billions uh, other than... One track that has been out for some time now called "La Canción," um, but uh, yeah, just to keep, paint a picture on like probably like the pinnacle of streams ever, the, with Bad Bunny. Uh, you know, the Arctic Monkeys have pulled weight in their own respect. So, um, yeah, just wanted to point that uh, out there. How prominent uh, do I want to know an AM was? Um, but you know, that that era has gone and passed. Uh, and I'd say the most impressive thing uh, about the Arctic Monkeys are, are not is not really anything that um, I've mentioned thus far. It's really just their consistency to sound fresh and different upon every album release. Um, they always bring something a little bit out of left field. The sixth album that happened between AM and The Car, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, uh it certainly was not uh was no exception um this album when it came out it certainly left behind any chance of them ever going back to <laughs> uh an AM sound and and that's just for the foreseeable future of course i don't know how long this band it will go Um, I knock on wood. I hope they go on for as long as they can. In in terms of the sound of between AM and Tranquility Hotel, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, uh, it's a, it's a bit of a mouthful. And just to point out the drastic nature between AM and Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, um, if we can just like paint an image, AM is like a, a nice nightclub. With, uh, you know, all the hip and most sexiest people in town. Um, And, you know, everyone there is just, uh, you know, popular and rich. And they know it and successful. And then Tranquility Base Hotel is a dive bar that uh, has a few people in there that all hate themselves. And probably live in their own little world. And also. Uh, there's like this weird. Uncool. Gothic vampire theme. That no one seems to get. Uh, that's kind of like. <laughs> the A bad analogy for how. Drastic the shift between AM. And Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino is. And I think that's probably the most impressive thing about Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Because the Arctic Monkeys had that commercial success to where they were the idealistic band for the mid 2000s that you know other bands wanted to be they wanted the alex turner front man they wanted the big ass hit like do i want to know and they wanted the arena tours granted uh, acts that don't already that didn't already have that you know there's other big rock bands that don't need to be like darting monkeys but certainly alternative rock bands in the mid 2000s that were you know not as big as you know Arctic Monkeys I think AM was essentially a blueprint no one has ever created it again I don't I think there's a good reason for that but <clears throat> the, the Arctic Monkeys ditched it and they probably ditched it because they they knew if they stuck around too long with that sound um they eventually would be seen as old and just trying to relive the past probably and eventually that fancy you know club with all the you know the, the good looking people that were successful they'd eventually go to some other club um i'm assuming that's probably how that industry works but um you know tranquility Base hotel and casino um to put it short it, it's a spacey concept album literally spacey it's about space um you know, it's about a casino in space. The opening track, Star Treatment, uh, exemplifies um, just that. With a reverb soak, loungy, atmospheric nature, Alex Turner displays vast amounts of character throughout the track. Uh, the following track, One Point Perspective, is a track that features some agile, loose bass playing that ends up uh, featured all throughout the album. Um, the, the bass playing on this album really drives a lot of the tracks and it keeps it interesting when it needs to be. Uh, The track is uh, more of an upbeat and bubbly take on the album's concept. Um, The next track, American sports features a seamless transition from one point perspective. uh, And the track makes a return to the ethereal spacey nature of the album. Uh, The track features elements such as retro sounding synths that coat the track along with a, Plethora of trippy textures on just about every instrumental. The title track is perhaps uh, an unsung hero of this album with the track truly encapsul- encapsulating the exact nature uh, of what this album is truly trying to accomplish. Again, this album is about a space casino with a rock star, I think, having like some sort of existential crisis. Uh, Golden Trucks, uh, Trunks was perhaps one of the worst tracks on the album in hindsight uh the track is uh, just a bit of an outlier and doesn't really connect with the rest of the album in my opinion four out of five is a bit of a return to form as the track uh brings the listener back to the spacey and loungy nature of the album um the track also features like signature arctic monkeys riffs that um, are hooky by nature um, and pride a, a nice base for the entire track to work on. It's perhaps the most popular track uh, of the album cycle, I believe. And the album takes an interesting turn with like the three least popular tracks in sequence afterwards. Tracks like The World's First Monster Truck Front Flip, Science Fiction, and She Looks Like Fun. Uh, to note, science fiction does a, a, a good job in keeping tension all throughout the album and creating a dark mood that is supported by some wonky and quirky textures and instrumentals. Um, she Looks Like Fun is a bit of a more relaxed track that takes much of the tension uh, that was on science fiction and kind of just releases it. Uh, after that, we get an interesting track with Bat Phone. Uh, this track provides a much-needed return to familiarity to some typical Arctic Monkeys norms. Uh, such as like some fuzzy guitar, some prominent synth organ textures, and Alex Turner's crooning. Um, it's an interesting track overall. Um, and then we, after that, we get the Ultra Cheese. It's a, a bit of a mid tempo piano ballad, uh, that I think appropriately closes off this album. The track is uh, similar in a sense to, uh, AM's, uh, number one party anthem in terms of aesthetic. Uh, I think perhaps it could be a little symbolic. And closing the AM era that has gone and passed uh, as a closing statement, uh, if you will. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we left off in 2018. Now we're here we're here in 2022, and we have this new album called The Car. Just to be, uh, you know, straightforward, this album, in all respect, is probably the most the most different album and the entire discography for this band it diverges completely off of any resemblance to their styles you know i'd say in the first uh the first five albums um with you know tranquility base, hotel and casino having lots of similarities to this album the car uh however the car is entirely on its own you know if you told me, if if we just swapped out Alex Turner uh, for another singer, I would not have thought this was an Arctic Monkeys album, which that's saying a lot because a lot of the uh, distinguished identifiers that you get uh, on the typical Arctic Monkeys track, in my opinion, uh, are a bit of like the instrumental uh, features, such as uh, Matt Helder's drumming, Nick O'Malley's bass playing in some points. Which, if, I, if we are being honest, there are some distinguishing moments that I'd say, okay, maybe Nick O'Malley does kind of put a signature twist on a lot of these tracks here in the car. Uh, but really what, uh, where this is going is that the car essentially is, uh, this is perhaps an Alex Turner, uh, solo effort that the Arctic Monkey, that Arctic Monkeys essentially, uh, contributed to. In some regards, um, this is better than perhaps Alex Turner putting out this album as a solo album, uh, without the name Arctic Monkeys and then nobody really caring about it because it sounds a certain way and it sounds nothing like the Arctic Monkeys as opposed to, you know, how, what we got here where the album is essentially just the band still, um, you know, working through what a solo effort featuring Alex Turner would more than likely sound like. Uh, and not to get too down the rabbit hole, but a lot of these tracks are sounding like La- Last Shadow Puppet tracks. And I haven't mentioned Last Shadow Puppets, um, not because I didn't mean to mention them. I actually like a lot of Last Shadow Puppets music. But if you're new to Last Shadow Puppets, essentially... Last Shadow Puppets are uh, an Arctic Monkeys side project that just features Alex Turner and another artist called Miles Kane. That it that kind of came out around uh, early on in the Arctic Monkeys career. They've had one successful full length album and then actually another successful sophomore effort. And they've since I nobody really knows I guess if they ever plan on making a new album together. Some would say maybe the dynamic between Alex Turner and Miles Kane is maybe unhealthy. For both, individua- uh, uh, both individuals, but um, I probably won't extend on that any further. The Last Shadow Puppets have made music that essentially are less focused on a rock sound and more of a, um, I'd say like a vintage pop sound, uh, you know, with some rock elements depending on the track and the 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 reason why last shadow puppets probably work is because both artists uh Miles Kane and Alex Turner you know feed off each other in terms of their levels of talent and um you know songwriting sensibilities and they they sound quite similar to each other when they're on a track and that that's quite impressive actually because i think Alex Turner perhaps one of the has one of the more distinguishable voices in music um, and for for Miles Kane to kind of like blend in quite nicely on any given Last Shadow Puppets track is, you know, I think the relationship that they make musically is, you know, it, it's you can't really replicate that. But the, the reason I'm, I guess I'm going down this tangent is because um, there probably might not ever be another Last Shadow Puppets album again. And I'm sure there's a backlog of those songs that Alex Turner has. And like I said earlier, well, the other option was to maybe do a solo effort. But Alex Turner probably thought about it. Considered, well, I could probably make a lot more money doing this as an Arctic Monkeys album. As opposed to doing like that whole solo release awkward stage. Like, for instance, when Brandon Flowers did that with The Killers. Why, why did he do that? He could have just written, wrote the, most of those songs on that solo album. Could have just been killer songs. Especially now, the state of the band now. <laughs> but that, that's another story. Anyways, um, Alex Turner said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. I'm just going to you know, call up the guys. They're going to probably agree because we haven't made an album in four years and they probably want to make some money too. And we're going to put out this album. And... We're still going to kick ass in the studio. Uh, the production is going to be good. And we know how to make an album. So that, that's not going to be a problem. And we're going to go on tour and make some money. Now, I hate to put it in that respect because uh, the the album has a lot of merit artistically. It sounds unique. It's beautiful at, at some points. I don't, and a lot of points, actually. There's a lot of strings, textures going on that uh, actually resemble... I hate to bring it up, but a lot of Last Shadow Puppet's music. And I think that can be credited to uh, their longtime producer, James Ford. I'm not even going to look it up, but if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure that's where that's coming from. I guess, without doing a review yet, because I haven't even really gotten to the review, if we were to get an Alex Turner solo effort, this it would probably sound a bit like this. And if we're just being pretty honest here... Uh, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino did kind of allude a bit to Alex Turner and Alex Turner's solo effort, just mainly because of how focused the tracks were on his lyrics and vocals, um, and just the style that came about from it. Not as much as of not as much of a focus on guitars, if we're being honest. Um, and it seems just kind of like the the natural progression of the band is to stay away from the focal point on the music being, you know, those signature guitar riffs that made them so distinguishable in, in their album cycles um, early on, like the first two albums where, you know, you can sing back the riff to Teddy Picker um, or Storm, um, you know, just to name a couple. And, you know, they're kind of just... Now they've gotten to the point where they're just making, you know rock songs or soft rock songs, um, indie rock songs, whatever you will, that, um, you know, require a little bit more layer. They require a bit more layer than just uh, throwing on, you know, a guitar riff, a bass line, a drum pattern, um, and then some, you know, fast energetic vocals from Alex Turner. Uh, naturally, the music as it progresses, tend to probably favor more of like a solo Alex Turner sound. And yeah, so that's the main point. It took me a while to make that point, but um, that's probably the main theme on this album. But there are details on this album that are worth noting. Um, starting from the first track, there better be a mirror ball. There'd better be a mirror ball. This is a bit of an interesting track. There's a thematic opening with strings, piano, and some muffled bass. Um, I love the fuzzy ostinato synth melody. It just kind of coats the track and gives it this pleasing nature overall. The piano's richness can be nice and warm all through the, throughout the track. Um, there's this ride cymbal drum pattern that goes on the track. Uh, you know, that can, be, that can become a little trancy. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It kind of just gives the track some style. The bass can have some interesting and fat sounding moments, and that that's kind of an occurrence that happens a bit. Uh, that that just kind of helps these tracks have some weight to them, um, and it can be a little uneasy hearing Alex go into like a higher falsetto register. That that hasn't really been heard um, that often in the discography, but uh, it's executed quite well for what it is, though. Um, and I like the track overall. Um, after that, we get another track um, titled I Ain't Quite Where I Think I Am. This track features more of like a steady, rigid nature. There's a signature wah pedal funk guitar hook that kind of just gives the track an interesting flavor. Um, there is a bit of like a funk influence on this album from time to time. Not sure about some of the writing um, here on this track. Alex's crooning can feel a bit unsteady at times as well. The um backing vocal antidotes are pretty good when they hit though i really wish we saw more of that all throughout the project um it's an interesting track there are some lovely string arrangements that show up um, on some points um, in the verses uh, that kind of show up when they're truly needed uh, to give the track a bit more flavor um, uh, the track does go on a bit too long. I'd say that's probably a downfall of this track and some other tracks as well. Sculpture of Anything Goes. This is a cool track. Uh, I like the heaviness of it. Um, it's like an evolved, do I want to know? Uh, from like, you know, another time and place. Uh, there's some nice colorful synth bits. Uh, nice t- attitude overall coming from Alex on here as well. Uh, on his vocal delivery. It's an interesting track. The track uh, builds up. Um, to like some climatic moments that do end up paying off. Um, and then our, the track also features some nice synth swells that I think that uh, kind of blend in nicely. Jet skis on the moat, I tried really liking this track. However, um, I'd say this is another track that suffers from a really long runtime. Uh, the track is definitely a slow burner um, and it can sound a bit aimless at times, especially in the interlude sections that we get um there are some interesting qualities like there's a nice piano that provides a bright warmness to the track and you know there is a pronounced thickness to the bass on here that punches through a lot of the track that gives us some life but i don't think it's enough here to kind of like resurrect the track essentially it kind of the tracks a little bit of dead on arrival um Body paint is a nice highlight though afterwards. I love the thematic synth melody that opens up this track. This is an example of Alex's vocal sounding a bit strained or perhaps near the limits of his vocal range. It kind of, he kind of just pulls it off just enough, I think. Um, and it's, this track is quite different for AM, especially in the songwriting with the exposed musical theater, theater inspired bridge section. Um, you know, there's some nice breakdowns as well that come about right before we get back to the A section. Um, and then also like some classic AM-esque guitar lines towards the end. And then also some classic Arctic Monkeys type guitar lines towards the end of the climatic sections that are almost like Josh homme inspired in a sense. And there, there is a bit of a payoff, uh, you know, as the track reaches the refrain the body paint refrain towards the end that i think give the track it just gives the track enough strength to be consistent after that with the car um this is a this is definitely a interesting one as well love the cap- captivating opening with the organic instrumentation with the finger pluck guitar uh riffs Um, there's some interesting spaced out auxiliary percussion at times it's a very patient track it doesn't try to head anywhere too soon and it's this one's more of like a last shadow puppets slow burner if you will i'd say this is probably most similar to like what i was mentioning earlier being you know some uh maybe left on the table last shadow puppets tracks and you know the track wasn't bad. I feel as if it could have been a little bit more developed. There's like a nice dark haunting color, uh, you know, with a brief interlude section featuring a grimy guitar solo. I think if, you know, those features were hit on a little bit harder, the track would have been a little bit better. After that we get big ideas. Here we have like this smooth vintage R and B flavor on the track and a gritty bass tone that fits in quite nicely with the mix. Um, It's also a bit meta in the lyrics as I would like. But it's an interesting take. Um, there's a mention of a band playing with an orchestra. So that's kind of what this track is. It's, there's a lovely string arrangement to it. Uh, I'd say the tempo is perhaps a bit too sluggish. Um, that's kind of like the biggest, uh, glaring issue I think I had on this track. Hello, you. Um, this was a highlight. There's a hooky melodic theme in the intro that is reiterated. Uh, over, uh, over the course of the track, that's a nice, tr- that's a nice touch. Uh, I love the overall punchiness and attitude of the track. The auxiliary hand percussion that brings flavor to this. There's a hooky melodic material on the chorus section that just makes the track stand out nicely. Um, there's string arrangements, uh, that line up quite nicely and beautifully with the rest of the composition, especially on so- some subtle melodic bits that mirror Alex's vocals. Um, and then also a call and response from, you know, a lot of vocals and then strings or vocals and then instrumental. Um, this was definitely probably my favorite uh, or one of my favorite uh, tracks on this album. I feel that tr- the album would have been a bit stronger if they kind of just hit on more of these ideas presented in Hello You. After that, we get, uh, unfortunately, um, <clears throat> a bit of a head scratcher, Mr. Schwartz. Uh, this sounds like a bit of like a Radiohead inspired in Rainbow's deep cut that was not good enough to be on that album. Um, There's a bit of tension that I think is nice on this track as it builds up, but um there's just like an awkward sequence where the track tries to get dancey at some point with some odd and thin sounding percussion textures that totally don't fit the track. And in my opinion, don't really improve the track at all um, either, so it... There's just the, This track had some compositional issues that I, I don't really understand what the point uh, overall that they're trying to hit on. Uh, it, it's, it even sounds a bit odd in context of the album. And then after that, we're kind of left with the last track, Perfect Sense. Uh, I'd say this is an interesting end to the album as well. Uh, it's probably the most unique-sounded Arctic Monkeys track I've ever heard. Um, it's not guitar-centric at all. Any guitar is put quite far back in the mix. Um, you know, much of the energy and momentum of this track is brought to you by a string arrangement that plays quarter notes, uh, throughout the whole entire track. And it's very, um, Last Shadow Puppets-esque. And, uh it's a bit dreamy it just doesn't really hit all too hard on the aesthetic i think it was trying to go for or just compositionally again it, it it's short-lived it it doesn't really go anywhere significant i think and unfortunately it's just uh a bit of a confusing end to this album which overall is a bit confusing I did find some highlights. I do appreciate a lot of the material that's on here, and I think there's a lot of potential on here. Now, what I'm hoping could perhaps happen, uh, this is the bias in me, uh, is that this this album will just end up growing on me, kind of just how, like, it took me a while for it to grow on me with Suck It and See. But in terms of, like, a long-term sound for this band, for Arc Monkeys to continue to go with, um, I'd say... I I, I just don't see it happening. Um, And if they did continue to develop this sort of weird uh, Alex Turner crooning solo effort, um, you know, it kind of begs the question, well, then what is the rest of the band really doing when they're writing? (laughs) Um, You know, of course, the recording and, you know, contributing to writing parts. But at some point, um, you know, Producers and studio musicians can do that stuff. Um, But I have confidence that this band always comes out swinging in a unique direction, and who knows, the next album could be a hip-hop country fusion sort of deal, or maybe like a straight-up metal album, uh, which would be cool, actually, but um, who knows. Overall, though, probably one of the weaker albums and their discography in my opinion the weakest um i'm feeling in terms of rating a five out of ten um just because you know there is a lot of potential on here there was a track like hello you where i was really pulling for the album to kind of like head more in that direction but late in the track listing it was apparent that wasn't going to happen and at that point you know it it is what it is um I don't think this album is really meant for a, a lot of their audience at this point. Um I think a lot of Arctic Monkeys fans are going to struggle to like this, and if they do, you know, stay open-minded, it's probably going to be the ones that are generally more into different styles of music and have stuck around with the band long enough to respect that they're going to make creative different choices that are a lot, that are a bit different from what they've done in the past. But the casual fans that want to hear more, uh, more of what they've done before, uh, even to the point of Tranquility based ho- hotel and casino. If I were, if I really liked Tranquility based hotel and casino and listening to it again, um, I-, I like the album um, but if I really enjoyed that album, and I thought, you know, it was one of the best albums that Arctic Monkeys made, um, and I heard the car, I would be quite disappointed. And um, I probably wouldn't give any consideration to the car. So yeah, and uh, in terms of like a general audience, I don't really know who is who this is for. Uh where this album is hitting in terms of like, is it for a young is it for an old audience? um it's definitely not for a young audience this this album if it's gonna have any success it's gonna appeal to like you know people that are well into their life and then in terms of you know genre wise this this isn't a rock album uh for the most part this is you know this could be trying to hit on like the indie head uh the indie head listener that um perhaps dabbles in a little bit of um Thundercat. You know, since this doesn't really hit on like a general rock fan, um, it's just interesting on who would pick this up. I, I know in retrospect, now I remember Pitchfork really loved this, and it kind of makes sense that this album would probably be going more in an artsy direction and it probably wants listeners that are patient enough to uh, listen to something like this. I did get a text from a friend the other day asking me my opinion on this album, which I thought was a bit surprising, but. Now that I look back on it, the guy was very into funk, um, (laughs) in college. So kind of see why he might've thought, uh, you know, this album was a bit interesting, but yeah, if this album does get a, a niche audience or if it is, you know, regarded as a, an under the radar classic years from now, I'd actually be quite pleased by that. And, um, maybe that will happen, but, um, A a bit of an interesting... Yeah, just release in general. Um, I'm indifferent, essentially. Uh, uh, The fan in me is disappointed, but uh, I guess the person with the podcast is just kind of indifferent. Um, So, yeah. But if you got to the end of this review, I know it's a bit lengthy. Thanks for sticking around. Um, We'll try to get some more episodes out as the year ends, and I appreciate you guys listening. Um... Take care of yourselves. See you.